The guy at work today told me he was disappointed because my socks had flowers, not stripes, because my pants were striped. And he asked if it was a fashion faux pas. And I said, I don't know, and I don't care. These are my favorite socks. <laughs> Welcome back to another episode of Is Fitz Happy? My name is Luke. And I'm Emma. And this week we're discussing Chapter 7, Encounters. Ooh. And the, <laughs> the intro blurb is talking about the custom and the expectancy of the newly married spouse in, that's traveling to Buckkeep to bring an entourage of attendants and servants and things like that. And the Mountain Kingdom's traditions is that they're a sacrifice, so they're going alone to help out their country. So Ketchikan mm-hmm. did not bring anybody. Kind of pounding in how... She's different. She's different, she's alone, and she's surrounded by foreign people. Yeah. Which, okay, I just want to quick ask, is this supposed to be writing from Fitz? Or is this like a little excerpt from somebody else's writing? We don't know. Because this is from when she turned queen. Right. Because it doesn't say queen-in-waiting, it, it re- references her as Queen Ket- Ketrokin. Mm-hmm. Um so it could be an excerpt from one of his burned history scrolls or right. one of the ones that he sent to Chade. Mm-hmm. It's just usually if it's an excerpt from somebody who isn't Fitz, we know because it'll say excerpt yeah. from blah, blah, blah. Although maybe that's not always the case. We wouldn't know. Yeah, right. But I just ask because it talks about how alone she was and that she had no one and she was so lonely which i guess is true but i feel like fitz was her friend and she knew fitz at least yeah but maybe that fitz isn't counting himself or fitz doesn't want to be in the record yeah, you of... think fitz would write about himself in a That's history fair. he kind of tries to stay away from that at least in all of his other musings of like it it leans too close to my life and i just start talking about what i know so i have to keep it strict yeah so maybe he just excludes himself from things or it could be from an outside influence and they don't want to include the uh, the dark mark on the Farseer's good name, you know? <laughs> yeah, that's fair. The the royal bastard who killed the king and whatever. Fair enough. But uh, Fitz has gotten back from Burns. We had the whole thing last chapter and uh, we get our first encounter back with Night Eyes, with the wolf cub. And Fitz brings him food, and Cub is very excited to see him because the whole frozen deer that Fitz had left has been eaten in the first two days, (laughs) so he was very hungry. (laughs) And he's very... he's grown up, so he Fitz is, like, remarking, like, he's snapping these bones and, like, drinking the marrow and stuff, and he's getting pretty big. Yeah, like, some of the bones are... Bigger than the bones in my arm. (laughs) Yep. And the cub is like, why would I turn on you, though? We're pack. You bring me the food and the ginger cakes. (laughs) Which is funny, but it's also a very human reaction. Because he has, like, a favorite food, and he can name them. Yeah, true. I don't know. Uh, It says, his thought was laden with meaning. This was the way of a pack. I, an elder, brought meat to feed cub, a young one. I was the hunter. 
bringing him back a portion of my kill. I quested toward him and found that, for him, our separateness was fading. We were pack. It was a concept I had never encountered before, going deeper than companion or partner. I feared that to him it meant what bonding did to me. I could not permit it. And so Fitz deliberately speaks out loud in this mm -hmm. uh, encounter and really tries to distance himself and create that separateness again. Right, which is a little too late. But yeah, yeah. <laughs> also, it probably was a little bit of a wake-up call because we know this whole time Fitz is like, I'm not going to bond, and he's still doing things that are like, really, you don't want to bond, Fitz? Sure. But I'm sure he is able to excuse it because there isn't technically a bond yet and now all of a sudden he realizes uh-oh <laughs> it's happening <laughs> so fitz and night eyes speak back and forth and it's it's mainly fitz trying to explain that he's a human and cannot be in a pack with a wolf and Night Eyes misinterpreting everything and every little nuance that Fitz is trying to explain because they're human concepts. Right. Well, he starts off by saying that outwardly we're different, but on the inside we're pack. Yeah. As though... That's that, all that matters. Yeah. So Which, to be fair, is kind of true yeah. of where the wit is concerned, but <laughs> not at all what Fitz is trying to explain. And Fitz is saying, like, I feed and protect you here, but only for a time. I'm just going to, you know, leave you in a place and set you free, basically. And Night Eyes is like, well, I've never hunted. And Fitz is like, I'll teach you. And Night Eyes is like, yeah, that's that's a thing of the pack, too. Yeah. That's what packs do. Yes. That's great. We are pack. I agree. <laughs> <laughs> well, he also tells Fitz, I am free. You do not hold me here, save that I will it. And he lolled out his tongue over white teeth, laughing at my assumption. I love his laughing faces throughout <laughs> all of these books, so I had to... <laughs> He's a real good pup. <laughs> but I just found it really interesting that Night Eyes still sees himself as free. Mm -hmm. And that this is, on his end, something he is willing to be in, that this is like... A choice he is making consciously at this point because i mean it's probably true he could probably run away right now if he wanted to he does not know how to hunt but he's pretty powerful and an animal and i'm sure he could figure it out right yeah so and fitz continues to talk and try to explain things like no i'm my leader is the king so Night Eyes is like, oh, if he's your leader, then he's mine, too, because we're all pack. <laughs> and Fitz then tries to push him away and gets very cold with him and deliberately puts a barrier in between them, saying, and not out loud in his head, um, I am a I am of a pack that you cannot be part of. In my pack, all are humans. You are not a human. You are a wolf. We are not pack. A stillness welled in him. He did not try to reply, but he felt, and what he felt chilled me. Isolation and betrayal. Loneliness. I turned and left him there. 
But I could not hide from him how hard it was for me to leave him like that, nor conceal the deep shame at refusing him. I hope he sensed also that I believed it was what was for best for him. Much I reflected, as Birk had felt it was best for me when he took Nosy away from me because I had bonded to a puppy. The thought burned me, and I did not just hasten away. I fled. Turn it into his dad. <laughs> Burek, not chivalry. <laughs> but, I mean, this is something that Fitz needed to do earlier. Like you said, mm-hmm. it's too late. Um, because later, I mean, throughout this chapter, Night Eyes chimes in and like looks through yep. Fitz's eyes and is there with him. Yeah. And it, all it did is really hurt Night Eyes, but Fitz can't enforce it at right. this point. So Fitz is really good at hurting people in his life as a way to try and get the quickest way to where he wants to be. And it doesn't ever work. All it does is just hurt the feelings of the people around him and keep them going down the path that they're already going. I just. And it hurts Fitz in the process, too. Yes, it's just (laughs) not a good, not a good thing. But yeah, it really does parallel what Burek did to him, and I hope through this Fitz has gained a little perspective. Mm-hmm. Even though what Burek did was right, it hurt him deeply, but it was ultimately the best for him because he was six yeah. years old. <laughs> like, I don't know. But also, and this doesn't actually come true, but I would have hoped that Fitz would have understood that you know, when he was younger and got Nosy taken away, he still managed to bond another dog eventually. <laughs> yeah. So it was going to happen. It was just a matter of time. <laughs> yeah. I think this could be used by Fitz to help him accept what Burek is asking of him and to really be like, oh, this isn't about his hatred of the wit necessarily it's about what's what he thinks is best for me and what he thinks will help me in the long run to be a part of my own pack and fit in there whereas he i don't know i guess he just doesn't take that he decides ultimately to pursue this bond right i mean i think in his brain he knows it but also he had that conversation with himself, I think, either last chapter or two chapters ago, of he couldn't abandon Cub just like he couldn't abandon a, a wailing, screaming child, basically. Right. Right. So. It just is, it's hard because it does put such a strain on the relationship, yep. and I hate, I hate that. <laughs> I want everybody just to be happy. get along, everyone. Yeah. Well, not everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So uh, he heads back up to Buckkeep, and he lingers in a hallway where he knows Molly is going to be walking around the corner any second mm-hmm. and stares at a tapestry just waiting for her, even though he knows it would not be good. And Patience doesn't want him doing that. And Patience <laughs> would definitely yell at him for it. Mm-hmm. And yet, dot, 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 the book says. <laughs> <laughs> He also mentions that uh, Patience's um, shyness is bordering on becoming uh, reclusiveness. 
she's really keeping shuttered in her rooms lately. And how uh, on his recent trip, Celerity's shy flirtations had made him miss Molly even more. So he's taking a little chance here and risking it all to see her. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but I do want to go quick back to that comment about how her shyness is bordering on reclusiveness. Um, why do you think patience is becoming a recluse? I feel like it has to do with Ketrikin um, coming to the castle and how Patience doesn't know her. She doesn't want to be seen as like the weird old person. Fair. I mean, she is accepted of who she is. Like she knows what she likes to do and everything, Mm -hmm. but everybody still has that you know, that want to be accepted and, you know, whatever. So, hmm. I mean, Fitz has briefly spoken to Patience about it, like, oh, yeah, you guys would probably get along and stuff. And Patience doesn't want to be like, I don't want to intrude into this kingdom or in this court where she's just getting established. Because it could be seen as, um, in Patience's eyes, as, like, taking over. Mm-hmm. A budding new queen's court overshadowing her with a previous queen in waiting. I don't know. That's what that's what my interpretation is. But interesting. I mean, it's also probably other things, but I I thought that was more topical. Yeah. <laughs> you didn't have a thought at all. Well, I wasn't really sure. Um, I'm leaning more towards the idea that it's more for Ketrickin's sake than her own. That she, yeah. like you said, doesn't want to overshadow her or even have her weirdness rub off she seems to be (laughs) not that that can happen but it can in society but how she was ostracized by the court basically yeah and so maybe she sees this person who's already alone Mm -hmm. and is like i'm not gonna make her go through what i went through yeah and so it's more of a kindness but i could also see it being a little bit of ketrickin seems to be getting the hang of things a little pretty quickly and being able to survive and almost thrive in court life well not quite yet but well, <laughs> but she there. i mean she's a complete foreigner she's not even from there right. like the land at all mm-hmm. and she's grasping it and so maybe there's a little bit of jealousy there of yeah, i've lived know. here my whole life and nobody could accept me but this person comes in and she's picking it all up and is able to fit in it could be because i feel like everybody deep down wants to fit in yeah but you can also separate that want from not wanting to pretend to be someone you're not. Right, right. Anyway, so Molly. (laughs) (laughs) So he stares at a tapestry until he hears footsteps, turns around and says, Good evening. I managed between a squeak and a whisper. (laughs) (laughs) Very hot. (laughs) Yeah. My heart was slendering high in my chest. The palms of my hands were moist with sweat as I turned to see her. (laughs) Good evening to you, she said with great dignity. Her head went up a notch higher, her chin firmed. Her hair had been tamed into two thick braids and pinned about her head like a crown. Her dress of simple blue had a collar of delicate white lace, and there were lace cuffs to it as well. I knew whose fingers had worked that scalloped pattern. Lacey treated her well and gifted her with the work of her hands. That was good to know. Molly did not falter as she passed me. But, uh, Fitz, uh... Smiles a little bit, and she blushes. Uh-huh. Because <laughs> she's looking at him out of the corner of her eye. Mm-hmm. 
<laughs> so warm suffused uh, blush so warm suffused her face and throat that almost I felt the heat of it. Her mouth went into a firmer line. Well, she doesn't want to like him. <laughs> and he's growing up. He's going through puberty. He's filling back out from the sickness. He's, he's tall. He's tall. He's cute. Well, height doesn't matter. But he's like bulking up and looking cute. <laughs> he's starting to look a little bit more grown up. I'm sure <laughs> the ladies all talk. <laughs> female nice vast <laughs> approval from night eyes coming in there <laughs> i <Nice>. like <laughs> i like that it's just like no nothing about her descriptor now they just female nice like, <laughs> okay sure yeah <laughs> so you like girls great <laughs> and uh fitz did not appreciate that intrusion um <laughs> And warns him, don't do that. Stay out of my mind uh, unless I bid you to be with me. Mm-hmm. And um, <laughs> and Night Eyes is like, uh, oh, so you'll seek my mind when you want me. And I shall seek yours when I want you. Yes, that is also pack. <laughs> we go to each other when we need help. <laughs> it's so funny to me how... <laughs> Night Eyes, literally every opportunity is like, yeah, that sounds like Pac. I think, yeah, no, you're right. That is how Pac acts. <laughs> and Fitz is like, no. <laughs> and I wonder if it is like actual bridging of two foreign concepts or if it's just Night Eyes like, well, the elder said to do this thing and he's in charge. So I guess that's what a pack is. Mm-hmm. But I, I think it's really fun and sassy. Yeah. But Fitz also says, uh, that's not what I'm telling you. I am saying you must keep out of my mind when I do not wish you to be there. I do not wish to always be sharing thoughts with you. And Night Eyes is like, you make no sense at all. Shall I only breathe when we are not snuffing the air? Uh, when you are not snuffing the air, your mind, my mind, it is all the pack mind. Where else shall I think but here? If you do not wish to hear me, do not listen. <laughs> Which uh, is true because Fitz doesn't know how to block himself with the wit. Right. At all, he has natural walls for the skill, but also mm-hmm. doesn't know how to contain himself in the skill yet. But he doesn't know how to block himself from the wit at all. Yeah, he knows how to keep himself small, like he stops spreading out his like web wit sense. Yeah, yeah, the wit, wit sense to detect life, but not actual put up walls. And Night Eyes seems to have a grasp that that is possible and mm-hmm. that you can do that. And I'm sure, well, I don't know the magic of the animals and how they speak in this world, but from what he's describing here, it's almost like a communal shared mind that you can like wall off individual cubicles for your own, your own self if you're oh, in a wolf yeah. pack. So you can just drop down the cubicle walls or peek up over the top and like talk to each other <laughs> and communicate. I like the idea that all animals in this universe are telepathic to each other. <laughs> well, I would say of the same kind. <laughs> well, or like prey know. animals versus predators. I mean, predators can just choose not to hear their prey. True. <laughs> but yeah, that would make sense, though, because, I mean, other witted people can hear Fitz talking to night eyes yeah they can like hear the whole conversation yeah so maybe it is just like a communal brain that they, <laughs> there's only one brain cell and night eyes took it 
uh, ain't that the truth? Um, but maybe it is just one communal brain that like nature shares that you can direct the flow of or something. I don't know. That's a, I like that imagery that you have put in my mind now. Also, little animals in suits in a business office setting. <laughs> uh, Fitz is kind of like staring dumbly at the wall as people pass and um, getting weird looks. Uh, but then he says uh, soon he would discuss it with Cub later and soon he would be off on his own, out of touch, out of mind. I push the experience aside. <laughs> yeah, right. Yeah, right. Gotta keep telling yourself whatever you can to make it through the day. But then he goes to Patience's door um, and was admitted, and they talk together a little bit of his trip with Burns, avoiding any mention of Rago, um, because he doesn't talk business. Well, not only that, but he doesn't want to get yelled at by Patience. And True. <laughs> this is another bad habit of Fitz. He keeps things from everybody. Mm-hmm. He's like, I even if he knows, like he knows patients will hear about this incident. He it's like, I'll just keep it a secret, because if I don't say it, then it didn't happen until it does, and then I'll deal with it. And it's so frustrating. <laughs> Why can he not learn the lesson? <laughs> I knew that eventually patients would hear of it and confront me about it. And then I would assure her that gossip had greatly exaggerated our encounter. I hope that would work. <laughs> <laughs> it's just fits just tell people the whole story before they have to hear it from other people it's way worse that way um but he brings gifts back from burns for lacy and for patience some ivory drilled to be strung as beads for lacy ivory fish yeah ivory fish and an amber and silver earrings for patience as well as a pot of wintergreen berries and he's like oh i you know, I thought you liked them. And Patience's like, no, I don't like them. And, oh, I thought it was Lacey then? And she's like, no, Lacey doesn't either. It's like, oh, and he changes the subject or whatever. And it's for Molly, because mm-hmm. he knows that Molly has a uh, craving for them all the time. <laughs> she, They were her favorite snack when they were kids. Mm-hmm. So cute. <laughs> but quickly changes the subject, so it's mm-hmm. not like, what's gotten into you, Fitz? You yeah. remember everything. <laughs> <laughs> Gotta brush that aside quick. To talk about Snowflake, the good pup. <laughs> <laughs> Who's getting fe- fed too many treats and actual food and yes. sweet meats and cookies. <laughs> he asks if she's pregnant and Lacey says, no, she's just getting fat. <laughs> Which I thought was so funny and just like my dog from childhood. So <laughs> lots of treats. And I love that. Fitz is like, you can't feed dog the uh, that kind of food. That's bad for their teeth and coat. And Patience's excuses that uh, she knows that, but <laughs> he's uh, Snowflake is far too old to teach that. <laughs> <laughs> oh yeah. So um, then talk turns to the king and how Fitz must go report to King Shrewd. Try to, at least. Well, he has to go now, and he was turned aside earlier when he tried to by his man Wallace, because there's no guards there anymore. They're all dismissed. Lacey offers up that the king's not well, and Fitz learns that the king's health is now common gossip around the, the castle. Right. 
which he doesn't particularly like, and he has to talk to Chade about it. Just mm-hmm. to, things are starting to leak out a little bit more because the king has been sick for a while. Yeah. Um, yeah, I don't know. Saying that uh, he takes his dinners in his rooms. Cook says the tray comes back as full as it went up. Uh, you know, he he doesn't rise until afternoon, comes down and is full of energy, and by the time that night falls, he's once again shuffling and mumbling his words and right. just a worry. Well, here's my question to you. How much of this is truth that people are catching and how much is, of it is Regal's rumors spreading? I mean, honestly, it's not really rumors. It could be Regal spreading more of this knowledge around. Mm-hmm. And, like, just, like, hey, I heard this from some well-placed servant or whatever. But it is honestly kind of the truth at this point. That's fair. I mean, yeah, fair enough. Because, um, I mean... Directly, I is it Lacey who's talking, or is it Patience? I think it's, it's Lacey. It's Lacey. Um, she says, Cook says the tray comes back as full as it went up. So obviously, like, yeah. she's but, talking to Cook. But I'm wondering, like, could that be because Wallace isn't giving it to the king so it can spread more rumors? No, because later in this chapter, Fool brings is bringing food. Right. And I'm sure he goes directly to Cook to grab food. and But... Also, all of the food is eaten when Fool brings it. So that's why I'm saying how much of this is truth and how much of this is regal. Yeah, I think it's, I don't think it's like rumors. I think it's just actual truth. But just maybe enhanced in its spread. You think it's mostly regal? I don't know. I think at this point, probably, but I don't know. There's no way to gauge, so. Right, yeah. I just always think the worst of Regal, so I'm assuming that this is something to do with Regal. <laughs> <laughs> so he heads to King Shrewd to report, and um, out of all of these rumors and this gossip, he decides that Wallace had not been very well taught as to what the duties of his position were, because he behaved as if the king were the most delicate of invalids and took it upon himself to keep anyone from bothering him. He was a most annoying man. <laughs> um, so they have a conversation there, and Wallace is basically like, didn't you try to come and report today? It must be important, I guess. But like, Is it important? King, yeah, the king's and not seeing anybody, so pretty much just go away. And Fitz is saying, like, well, the king himself can decide if it's important, yep. and if he doesn't like it, he can send me away. I need to talk to him. Um, And before it can escalate, because Fitz is trying to decide if he could shove Wallace out of the way. (laughs) Someone tapped on my shoulder, but when I turned to look, no one was there. Turning back, I found the fool in front of me, between Wallace and me. (laughs) (laughs) And so the fool's back. We get a nice long section with the fool, which is really nice. Mm -hmm. Um... And he is just as buddy as ever, but at this point, it is not being used towards Fitz, so... No, he has uh, some clever and not-so-clever, but very blunt insults (laughs) to uh, say to Wallace. (laughs) Are you his physician, then, to make such judgments? For surely you would be an excellent one. You physic me 
merely with your looks, and your words dispel your wind as well as mine. How physic then must our dear king be, who languishes all day in your presence. And the fool is bringing food up to the king. And he has a little scepter, ratsy, with yes. the, the rat on top. And we see that Wallace is kind of scared of the fool. Yeah, because he says, be gone, fool, you've been in here twice today already. The king has already gone to bed. He has no need of you. But Wallace was the one who retreated without intending to. I saw he was the one of those people who could not meet the fool's pale eyes and quailed from his touch of his white hand. Which, I mean, he is friends with Regal. And, and goes Regal's... to show desire in Regal's influence. Yeah, yeah. and... That group of people seems to find different as bad. Yep. But it works to fool's advantage in this. Yeah. That he can get past him. So I guess work with what you got. Um, Fool just keeps walking forward and uh Wallace just keeps backing up. Right. And I feel like this is kind of why we see Fool able to be kind of sassy. Yeah. And it seems as though, I mean, Fool is the sass master, but... (laughs) (laughs) I mean, that's what he's employed to do as well. Right, but I mean, I feel like he's a pretty sassy individual um, and is pretty quick-witted, but it also seems as though he enjoys kind of being a more quiet person. He only really talks or speaks up whenever something is... It's something he feels strongly about. Yeah. And he probably doesn't really get to talk poorly to regal or his court in the open and this is the only opportunity where he has to really let somebody have it that deserves to have his mean words sent towards them i just want to read the uh the wonderful paragraph we get of the fool speaking at wallace twice shall be thrice wallace dear and your presence replaced with my presence Toddle off hence, and tell Regal all your tattling. If walls have ears, then so must you, for you have already the wall's ass. Such ears are filled to overflowing with the king's business. You might physic our dear prince while you enlighten him. For the darkness of his glance, methinks, betokens that his bowels have backed up so far as to blind him. (laughs) Nice. Hoop jokes. (laughs) Yep. But spoken well. I mean, all the best ones are. (laughs) Do you dare speak so of the prince? He shall hear of this. My father shall hear of this. (laughs) Speak so? Speak, sow. I doubt not that he hears all that you do. Do not vent your wind at me, wall-ass dear. Save that for your prince who delights in such puffing. He is at his smokes now, I believe. And you might gust at him, and he shall drowse and nod, and think you speak wisely and your airs most sweet. And that uh, shows that Regal is starting to pick up his smoking habit. Um, Starting? Well, yes, it was all over in the Mountain Kingdom, but it's not, like, shown in Buckkeep at this point. It's not widespread in Buckkeep. Right. And I don't think it's widely known that he indulges as much as, like, his mother did. That's fair. Because we get another mention of it when King Shrewd enters the picture soon mm-hmm. as well. And I think that's just like, it's another like written out hint that that sort of drug use is picking up. Yeah. 
So uh, the fool continues to advance until Wallace falls down as King Shrewd opens up the door and Wallace is leaning on that door. So mm. he sits down at the, the feet of King Shrewd and Shrewd is very confused and, and vexed by this whole situation. <laughs> Quite obviously. <laughs> <laughs> and Fool says, you know, such a man deserves the title fool, but not the post. Yep, exactly. <laughs> um, and Shrewd is... Like, basically tells Wallace, like, um, the steam does me no good at all, Wallace, but it makes my head ache all the more and leaves a foul taste in my mouth as well. Take it away and tell Regal I think his new herb might drive flies away, but not sickness. So, I don't really know how to take this line here. I don't want to think the best of Regal, but it could be like, hey, this is well-known in other places to help things right here father try try a new herb and he's trying different giving him different things that he's heard of Mm -hmm. that would be the best case scenario two it could be trying to get shrewd addicted to some of these things so he would be dulled more or three it could be just wallace like being not being an actual physician, but an unlicensed wellness coach or something and trying right. like, here, try this, try this <laughs> remedy. Unlicensed vitamin. Yeah. Mm. I want to say, I don't think Regal or really the people of this area understand addiction at the level we do. Right. Um. So I don't think that regal regal's malice is pointed towards getting his father addicted to a drug because i don't think regal even believes addiction is a thing his mom died of an overdose and he doesn't believe that so i i feel as though that's not necessarily part of it and i wonder too if like he knows what the skill people are doing to him that they're draining him mm-hmm. and it is having pretty adverse effects and maybe there is some love for his dad somewhere and he wants something that'll take his mind off of it and right. if it's partially to get him weak enough to be in a state to be taken advantage of or if it's like my dad's kind of hurting and i feel a little guilty maybe i'll at least give him some pleasure as well right i'm killing him <laughs> like, <laughs> like a mercy thing that's misplaced but i don't know it's hard to tell yeah it's it hard. really is it seems like regal doesn't place much value on life um although he's pretty upset about his mother he doesn't seem to be very accept- uh, upset about galen uh, although that, we don't know. Yeah, not that we see, at least, but he could be. Um, but I, I, it just makes me wonder if there's a little bit of loyalty towards his dad or if it's just a means to an end. Right. Because he seems to have a lot of respect for royalty. Yeah. And the line of the throne. Um, not his brothers, because they're less royal than him, so therefore less important. But maybe his father to him is also important because he is royal right has royal blood i don't know i it's really hard to tell what regal's thoughts could be but i i kind of want to believe that at least at first the intentions are let me heal a little bit of this pain i'm causing and then he realizes how much easier it is to control him (laughs) if he's under a substance right i don't know 
yeah, that's why I'm so conflicted on it as well, because Mm -hmm. everything that we see from Fitz's view is Regal is evil incarnate, even though he's not even the worst villain in this whole series. (laughs) But yeah, I don't know. It's hard to tell. Yeah. So the fool lays out his food basket after Wallace leaves and brings out the uh, the smoking incense and herb or whatever and gets the king to eat. And the king um, <laughs> points out that Fitz is standing and staring dumbly, basically, <laughs> like a simpleton, and calls him over to report. Um, and he looks pretty pretty alert. He looks pretty strong. He's, he's laughing. Oh, you finally came to report. Great. Yeah, do that for me and everything. Mm-hmm. And... Fitz uh, reports in front of the fool here and speaks not of exactly what he did, but just the outcomes of everything mm-hmm. and assures King Shrewd that Duke Brondi seemed very pleased with the King justice, King's justice and the peace that's in his duchy at the moment, as Fitz had left it. And he goes on to describe the other tasks that he did, copying the scroll and describing the elderling relic. Um, Fitz shows the scroll work off and Shrewd compliments him and says, bring it to uh, to Verity, excuse me, in his map room. And then describes the relic after that. I described it to him in detail, and all the while the fool perched on the hearthstones and watched us silent as an owl. I found it very interesting that immediately after the elderling relic was mentioned, (laughs) Robin Hobb mentions that the fool was staring and watching them. (laughs) That's fair. I don't know if... Well, he does have visions of the future, but they're not like... Yeah. I don't know how much he knows of like the history of Elderlings and Dragons. I would assume a lot because he grew up on Claris right. in the school, which literally killed all of the serpents. Yeah. <laughs> so, so he probably like, has better knowledge. built on dragon bones, basically. Yeah. Also, now that I'm thinking about it, if the fool does have more knowledge and better knowledge... A little disappointing that he's literally never brought it up, especially right? when they're not anywhere near the castle later on in this series, and it's just them. He couldn't be like, "Oh, by the way, don't ask me how I know." <laughs> but the people, the like elderlings, are probably dead, and also not at all what you think they are. And I mean, also, but when he was in the in this in Claris and stuff and growing up, they they kept him away from certain things as well, thinking right. that he was a false prophet mm. and not the actual real one. So, But you'd I don't think, know. because his dreams seem to be centered around bringing the dragons back, you'd think he would know more about it, like just even yeah. in passing. But maybe he doesn't know how to decipher the dreams. We know that they That's don't, true. they're not clear. It's not like this is going to happen then it's all riddles that he has to puzzle out. And if you don't know what an elderling would be, no. So maybe fool just doesn't know what his dream visions are telling him to look for. Like he doesn't specifically know the word elderling. Yeah, that's true. I don't know. It's hard to tell because we don't get a lot from his point of view. Right. Um, well, we don't get anything from his point of view, but um, we don't get a lot of him explaining, especially in the early books here. So, and they don't really like go back and quiz the fool on what he knew. So, no. I don't know. But uh, after that conversation, um, Shrewd once again repeats. So let's see the scroll work of yours. 
Puzzled, I surrendered it to him. Once more, he looked it over carefully, then re-rolled it. As he gave it back to me, he said, You've a graceful way with a pen, boy. Well lettered and well done. Take it to Verity's map room and see that he knows of it. Of course, my king. I faltered, confused. I did not understand his motive in repeating himself, and was unsure if he were waiting for some other response from me. But the fool was rising, and I caught from him something less than a glance. Not quite the lift of an eyebrow, not quite the turn of a lip, but enough to bid me to silence. The fool gathered up the dishes, all the while making merry talk with the king, and then both of us were dismissed together. As we left, the king was staring into the flames. So they exchange glances once they're, once they're dismissed, and as Fitz is about to speak, the fool interrupts with very loud whistling. <laughs> and he did not cease until they were halfway down the stairs, where he paused, caught at Fitz's sleeves, and um, started talking to him through Ratsy, the staff. Yes. <laughs> ah, but you and I, we must remember whatever he forgets, Fitz, and keep it safe for him. It costs him much to show as strong as he did tonight. Do not be deceived about that. What he said to you, twice, you must cherish and obey, for it means he held it twice as hard in his mind to be sure he would say it to you. So, Shrewd's mind is going, slowly. Yeah. He's repeating things more often. He's obviously forgetting some things. And he's slow to rise in the mornings, and as this was nearing nighttime and assuming dinner, slowing down during the night. Yeah. That's where I think that the rumors of the king's health aren't necessarily just rumors, and it's actual gossip from servants or whoever that's slowly getting spread that could definitely have been helped by Regal. Mm Mm-hmm. That's fair. And it's hard to know if this is like a natural descent into dementia because of old age. I guess he's not that. He's like in his late 60s. I don't even think late. You think he's in his mid? Yeah. Mid or early. Which is pretty, pretty early for dementia. It can happen. I mean, my great grandpa was like not yet 70 when his started so i mean it's possible but it is but it it does make it hard because we know there are things going on behind the scene right that aren't helping and so i wonder if no one if regal wasn't around to (laughs) try and take over the throne and galen never existed would he still be having these health problems or is this just all magic? Right. Yeah, I I feel like he would be having some semblance of it, but I, again, same thing with like the rumors. It's just been pushed along and accelerated. Fair. Well, because we know Chade near the end, although he's like 150, so... <laughs> True. <laughs> Literally. True. Our own Nicholas um, Flamel yes. living in the walls. So that's a little bit more explained, but it does run in families. So, yeah. And he could have been kept sharp by using the skill healing of mm-hmm. himself to regenerate his youthfulness. So maybe Shrewd was doing something like that already. And yeah. because all of his skill is getting sucked away, 
he's not able to keep up the healing because I'm sure he knows how to heal. He was taught. Yeah. So he could probably heal his mind in some way. I don't know. True. Yeah. I'm. It's hard. It's really hard to tell because we don't know enough. I feel like we repeat that so much, but it's honestly true. There's just so much left in the gray areas between these lines that. Yeah. It's fun for us to speculate. (laughs) (laughs) But what a great book that there is so much for us to speculate on. Yeah. It's not flat. There is so much dimension to this story and so much to wonder about in the cracks of the actual story. So that's what really makes me like this series is that it's not just about Fitz and it's trying to help the kingdom. It's also the little things going on in the background. I want some answers, though. True. <laughs> that would be nice. Um, but the fool, yeah, he, he says that, you know, cherish what he said to you twice, because that means he thought it was that important to say to you. Mm-hmm. Um, so Fitz goes and delivers the scroll and and vows to do it that night. Right. And he also tries to talk a little bit more with Fool by saying, "Uh, you know, I don't really like Wallace. And Fool stops him from continuing on this little rant fest and says, "'Tis not Wall's ass you should have a care for, but Wall's ears. And then he leaves. Mm -hmm. So he's warning Fitz. It's like the third time in the last two hours that Fitz has been in his presence that he's mentioned that Wallace is a spy. And Fitz needs it. Fool knows him pretty well. (laughs) True. (laughs) You can't just say it a couple times. It needs to be. True. Yeah. A lot. So obviously it's kind of, you know, open that he's reporting to Regal, at least to the Fool. So I'm sure Chade knows as well. Mm Mm-hmm. I don't know, but... um, Fitz delivers the scroll to Verity and then continues on the tasks that Verity had set before him, eliminating the forged ones that are closing in on Buckkeep. And he goes out on various uh, expeditions, doing carrying around poison food, dropping it, fleeing from the forged ones, mm-hmm. having them fight over it, and goes back to the dead bodies later and notes and, down their appearance yeah. and is haunted by you know, their frozen visages and what they're looking like because he has to use a harsh poison for them. Yeah, and he also has to burn the bodies. He cannot leave any trace of forged ones, dead or alive, in this close to Buck. So it's it's not a... not a not a good task. We hear again that Fitz is not taking any pride in this. Um, It's really hammered into the reader that Fitz does not like being an assassin for the king. He understands why this specific job is being done. But these are people. These are real people. And these are citizens who their only sin was being caught by the Red Ship Raiders. Mm -hmm. And that would be really hard. And there's a small mercy in that because they're forged, his wit sense has no feeling to him so at least he's not feeling every single death but still it's not good (laughs) not great for a 15 or 16 year old boy to be looking at a bunch of dead bodies all the time Fitz remarks that at first Cub had uh, wanted to go with him because he found out that Fitz was riding out into the countryside after every time he fed him Um, 
But one time when he was looking down at the frozen bodies, he heard in his head, this is not hunting, this. This is no pack's doing. This is man's doing. And he flees. Which, I mean, it's true. It's a senseless killing, which needs to be done, but it's still a senseless killing. Right. And to an animal who, especially a wolf who knows to kill for food. Right. That's... It just doesn't make sense. Mm-hmm. Evenings I return to the keep, to hot, fresh food and warm fires, dry clothes and a soft bed. But the specters of those forged ones stood between me and those comforts. I felt myself a heartless beast that I could enjoy such things after spreading death by day. My only comfort was a prickly one, that at night when I slept, I dreamed of Molly, and walked and talked with her, unhaunted by forged ones or their frost-rhymed bodies." And then he remarks on the of a fateful day. Right. He got out late. He saw some sign of a larger group of forged ones and started tracking them and eventually got further away from the keep than he wanted to. It was nighttime. Yeah, and there was a storm a storm brewing. Yeah. Storm was a brewing. Um, you got a big storm coming. <laughs> Uh, the wind began to blow a nasty cold one that foretold snow to follow. So he uh, is trying to make his way back at night during this cold winter light storm, but it was a storm nonetheless. Right. So it was freezing. He was trembling. He was worried about a fit, like a seizure coming. Right. And on top of that, he cannot sense the forged ones. So yeah. they're out here. He's been tracking a very large group and it's now super late and he might be about to have a seizure and he can't tell if anybody's coming to attack him yeah a little scary so finally uh some light shines through from the moon and the stars so he's able to navigate his way around because he's been over this ground so much in the past you know week or so mm -hmm. um and he cre he knows if he crests the hill ahead of him now that he will be able to see buckkeep in the distance so he knows where he is Sudden as thunder, I heard the hoofbeats of a horse struggling to make speed, but somehow encumbered. And he sees a horse and a rider with a couple beings hanging from the horse mm -hmm. and a flash of a blade attacking. And it's Ketrakin. Yep. The moment of recognizing Ketrakin is inseparable from the moment I set heels to Sooty. What I saw made no sense to me, but that did not prevent my responding. I did not ask myself what my queen-in-waiting was doing out here at night, unaccompanied and set upon by robbers. Rather, I found myself admiring how she kept her seat and set her horse to wheeling as she kicked and slashed at the men who tried to drag her down. And he rides to the quote-unquote rescue of this, um, <laughs> assisting got, Ketrikin right. while she slaughters every she forged does, one that's yeah. hanging out her. She does most of the work. <laughs> He's just kind of back up. Um, but he does get the horse's head free, so she's not stopped in the tracks, and they can't catch her. Um, they kill the forged ones that are attacking and hanging on. Right, and he does kill a couple. <laughs> um, but... Uh, he he describes this fight um how it's mostly silhouettes in the night it's very weird because he can literally only sense his emotions and Ketrikin's emotions with their horses mm -hmm. 
the other bodies are just dead to him because they're forged ones. He saw it was a woman, and then my sword was in, in her and out again, as soulless an exercise as chopping wood. Such a peculiar struggle. It's, it's very weird, this depiction, because it's, he says before, like, I don't think I made a sound charging in. Mm -hmm. In my head, it's literally just, like, breathing, horses grunts, and, like, people falling down. Yeah. I don't know. It's, it's just such a weird scene in my head. <laughs> right. Well, it was soundless, save for the grunts and cries of the forged ones, as one after another they fell. Mm-hmm. They don't even cry out in pain, right? They just they do, yeah. They cry out in pain. Oh, I thought they just cry out when they fall because they're dying. It's <laughs> a natural response. Uh, they they do they do cry out in pain, but not it just doesn't stop them. From, yeah, it doesn't stop them from doing anything. Um, I think before, like in one of the previous encounters, Fitz remarks that like they cried out in pain as if remembering that's what they were supposed to do. Mm, rather right. than like this hurts so i'm crying out yeah as like a reaction it's just it's, what your brain makes you do yeah <laughs> so it must be like weird and dissonant right. anyways it doesn't sound as full of emotion mm -hmm. so they break free kill all the forged ones and uh charge off initially ketrakin is leading but fitz knows the terrain and and leads her and steers her horse around and right. they get through the forest and out the other side closer to Buckkeep. Mm -hmm. Um and then talk about what happened. Um as they felt safer, uh Ketchkin lets out a pent pent up breath in a long shaky sigh and says thank you. Um where Fitz is half expecting that any moment she would burst into weeping, I would not have blamed her. Instead, she gradually gathered herself, tugging her clothes straight, wiping her blade on her pants, and then resheathing it at her waist. She leaned forward to pat Soft Step's neck and murmur words of praise and comfort to the horse. I felt Soft Step tensions ease and admired Ketrikin's skill to have so swiftly gained the confidence of the tall horse. And she gathers herself and eventually asks Fitz, like, were you here seeking me? Like, what? What was going on? And Fitz is like, no, it's just, you know, luck, basically. Mm -hmm. And then at, and then he asks, like, did you get lost? And will there be pe people looking for you, basically? <laughs> like, he's he's wondering, yeah, like, like, what are you out here? Uh -huh, what's going <laughs> on? And she describes a situation where Regal and her were on one of their daily rides. And there was a group of people with them. A group of people with them. And they were turning to head home because of the storm coming in. And Regal sent the other royals ahead of them. Yeah. Uh, so that he could tell her a story without their chatter getting in the way. Well, Ketrikin says, uh, we let the others ride ahead so that I should not have to hear it through their chatter. Which is, I, I highlighted that specifically because I'm like, that's 100% a Regal line. Yep. Um, so it was just Regal and her riding back while he was telling her a folktale or something of his home duchy right um being charming like he does mm -hmm. they see a fox startle and regal says follow me if you want to you know see real sport and charges after this fox like absolutely just straight up gallop mm -hmm. sprints away and ketrikin has some admiration in her voice as she described him yep um which frustrating which is frustrating yes but also 
her horse naturally just follows where Regals is going. Yep. Yeah. It. She doesn't try to follow him. The horse just does. Mm-hmm. And the horse was not answering the rain, and so uh, Ketchikan was trying to rein the horse in and, and slow her down. So Regal got further ahead. And suddenly, like, Ketchikan was kind of alone, so she let the rain go and let the horse have its have its lead and, and go. But, of course, the storm was coming in. She lost her way, mm-hmm. which we find out is, uh, well, it's inferred that it's Regal's intent to have her lost right. in the woods, basically. Lost in the woods. <laughs> and... um Let's, uh, Ketrikin does keep her head and lets, um, the horse, like, down and lets the horse try to find its way back home, which it knows where to go, mm-hmm. but Storm and Forge Ones. Yep. So, that's where Fitz comes in. <laughs> yeah, and Ketrikin doesn't exactly understand the Forge Ones. No, I'm didn't sure know she's, that these were Forge Ones. Yeah, yeah, I'm sure she's heard about them. Yeah. But nobody's really in-depth talking about the Forged Ones. It's a very taboo topic. Well, I'm sure it's like a distant boogeyman at this point. Right. Like, oh, yeah, these bad things. Right. She says that she's been told that they've lost their heart. Yeah. But she doesn't quite understand. And she says, am I so poor a sacrifice that there are folk who would kill me? And Fitz has to explain, it's not even about you. They probably don't even know that you're the queen-in-waiting. They just Would have attacked anybody. Yeah, they wanted your horse. And, you know, it's such an interesting thing where Ketrickin is trying to grapple what this is. Because nobody's telling her. Verity isn't keeping her in the loop. And so... Fitz is like, hey, yeah, no, don't feel bad. This isn't about you at all or your ruling skills or how little or how much you're doing. This is just how these people are. They don't. Something is gone from them and they're not human anymore. It does go to show a little bit of Ketrikin's insecurities as well. Mm -hmm. She was raised to be a sacrifice, to be a leader she has not been allowed to do that. And then in this situation, she blames it all on herself that she got lost in the woods when Fitz knows it was Regal's purpose to do this. But mm-hmm. she blames herself, her lack of knowledge, and then has these people attack her and instantly thinks, like, I'm such a poor sacrifice that people want to kill me. Yeah. So it's just her insecurities peeking out as a teenager thrust into... The queen in waiting's position of a huge nation. A nation at war where her husband isn't giving her any attention. Right. So, um, rescue party shows up, lots of soldiers here, and they are, of course, happy to find her, but then very mad and impressed uh when she tells the whole story right well she has blood all over her yeah and they're freaked out because they're like are you hurt and she's (laughs) like oh no you should see the other guy (laughs) (laughs) ketchikin kept her composure as she assured them none of it was hers she spoke quietly of the forged ones who had set upon her and what she had done to defend herself 
I saw admiration of her growing among the soldiers. I heard then, for the first time, that the boldest attacker had dropped out of a tree upon her, him she had slain first. For she done, and not a scratch upon her, exulted one grizzled veteran, and then, begging your pardon, my lady queen, no disrespect meant. It might have been a different tale had not Fitz come to free my horse's head, Ketrickin said quietly. The respect for her grew as she did not glory in her triumph, but made sure I received my due as well. They congratulated her loudly and spoke angrily of scouring the woods tomorrow all about Buckkeep. It shames us all as soldiers that our own queen cannot ride forth safely, declared one woman. She set her hand to the hilt of her blade and swore on it to have it blooded with forged blood on the bar- uh, by the morrow. Several others followed her example. The talk grew loud, bravado and relief at the queen's safety fueling it. It became a triumphal procession home until Verity arrived. And he is dead galloping into this party. His right. horse is frothing, so Fitz is like, he has been out searching for a long time and mm-hmm. has ridden on a ton of roads, obviously, and came galloping the minute he heard that Ketrikin was found. Mm-hmm. Um, and his first words are, it doesn't say he yelled, but it has an exclamation point at the end of this, so I'm assuming it's loud. <laughs> um saying, how could you be so foolish as to go so far astray? His voice was not tender. I saw her head lose its proud lift and heard the muttered comments of the man closest to me. From there, nothing went well. (sighs) Verity. This, like, this whole scene and Verity's whole reaction feels to me as a, a depiction of parents finding their like lost child yeah i'd say that's pretty accurate um because he sees her as a a kid that he has to teach and take care of and has to you know fix the curiosity and stuff and he's just he doesn't want or need that in his life he feels so he's like this is just another responsibility another thing that went wrong more stuff that i have to like scold her about basically and it's just that whole, like, that whole attitude and that whole feeling is what I get across in this whole scene. Yeah. Basically, like, you're going to be in trouble when we get home, and I'll tell you what you did wrong. You're grounded, young lady. Yeah. <laughs> I'm taking your horse away. <laughs> um, no, it, it it's frustrating because he should have been more gentle with her. And, I mean, imagine if Ketrickin was a soft court lady she would have been so shaken up and then her husband comes and yells at her not great so not even you know it's just not a good he doesn't have any tact in this situation this is where this is where one of his lacking qualities props up and that's his ability to deal with people in a correct fashion well not only that but to think about how his actions are affecting the people around him. Mm -hmm. He is so focused on like, oh my God, I just killed this girl, this poor girl, because I let her ride out with Regal. And he's not even thinking about all of my men are here, men and women are here, and they need to see a certain compassion from their leaders. Mm Mm-hmm. He, but I mean, I get it. At the same time, I get it. He is worried. I would be worried oh, too. Yeah. She's been gone yeah. for hours, and who knows where? So in the dark, in the middle of a storm, and he's he blood knows, on her. And this is the like. part too: is that 
Verity knows there are forged ones here. Yeah. Nobody else does. That's why he's so like, yeah. He's so upset. And I get it. But he's not thinking about how it looks from the outside. He doesn't handle it well. No. Um, and next chapter, we see his response to how he reacted. And like, mm-hmm. he's incredibly hard on himself. We'll, we'll talk more about that later. But like, I, I feel for him. But at the same time, he needs to act he, better as the king in waiting. The Farseers have a problem of recognizing their faults but not correcting their faults because they and think then it's just, not correctable right and they then look just up to somebody else <laughs> moping about the fault over and over again and making yes. the same mistakes runs in the family <laughs> yes so it's very frustrating but you know fitz points out that it's not just about the tone he's taking with ketrickin mm-hmm. but he has them switch horses and ride off to the castle together yeah. and he doesn't realize that he's taking away the honor of bringing her safely home from his guards. Yeah. It's just that situational tact again, mm-hmm. like the, the awareness of, right. Yeah. She's safe now. It's fine. Like yeah. it's all out in the open. You can't fix anything. Uh huh. And he's just, just like, let it happen. Get her home quick because yeah. then she's more safe. <laughs> um, Fitz does say, he did not scold her before his men, but I saw him wince as she told him plainly what had become of her and how she had killed to defend him herself. He was not pleased to have her speak so plainly of a band of forged ones, brave enough to attack the queen and scarce out of Buckkeep's shadow. Um, that which Verity had sought to keep quiet would be on everyone's lips tomorrow, with the added Philip that it had been the queen herself they dared to attack. Verity shot me a murderous glance as if it were all my doing. See, and this is another fault. He has been keeping Ketrickin out of the loop. Mm-hmm. He refuses to talk to her about anything Raider related. I mean, it seems like they talk a little bit, but he mostly shuts her down. And he will not keep her in the loop. And so then she doesn't realize that by talking about the Forged Ones, that this is a problem and this is going to create... Because she hasn't had time to think on it. She right. isn't like him. She could have made up a different excuse if... He would have told her beforehand. Mm -hmm. And this is another one of his shortcomings because he has been holding her at arm's length to protect her instead of giving her information to actually protect her, which fits follows in his uncle's footsteps and doing later in life to his family. (laughs) Yes. But it's just so frustrating on so many levels of like, none of this would have happened if you would have just talked to Ketrickin about it. (laughs) And maybe she would have given good insight on how to fix it. It's that rom-com situation. You got to talk. Yep. (laughs) Yep. So, not great. And Fitz talks about how on the way back, he stays with the guards. And they don't quite talk bad about Verity. Um, They talk around it. (laughs) Yeah. Um, But they do talk about how strong the queen is and they're you know, kind of getting behind the queen more. Yeah, complimented her on her spirit, mm-hmm. they say. Which is good. Um, but if any gave thought to Regal's behavior, they did not speak it aloud. And also, uh, they thought it sad that she'd not been welcomed back with an embrace and a kind word or two. <laughs> so it didn't quite insult the king in waiting, right. but... They, everybody wants the couple to be a happy couple. Yeah. <laughs> also, they just heard that their queen killed four forged ones and didn't have a scratch on them. Uh-huh. And 
saw her kind of get scolded a little bit. Uh-huh. <laughs> so. But yeah, um, no one talked about Regal at all. Um, I'm sure plenty of people knew that he was out riding with her. Mm-hmm. So, but we don't even know how bad it actually is until Fitz gets back to the stables. Right. He talks to Birik here, mm-hmm. putting up his horse. Um, and Birik says that, yeah, I guess Regal came in, he didn't say anything, and left. And then a stable boy said, like, where's the queen's horse? Uh-huh. <laughs> and so Burek, brave little Burek, <laughs> made so bold as to ask Regal himself. Regal had replied that he had thought Ketrickin had stayed on the road and come in with her attendants. So Burek had been the one to sound the alarm, with Regal very vague as to where he had actually left the road and what direction the fox had led him, and presumably Ketrickin. He's covered his tracks well. I don't think that's covered well, but I, I see right through you, Regal, so... Well, <laughs> it's well enough, because, yeah. you know, it gives us... It is, yeah, because yes. he could say, like, oh, I chased after the fox, yes. I looked behind her, and she wasn't there, so I assume she went back to the road with her attendants, not mm-hmm. following me. In the court of law, not enough evidence. Right. <laughs> um, so... Here's my big question. Does Regal know there are forged ones out there? Maybe. Um, Depends on how... It depends on a couple things. Either one, he has spies himself Mm -hmm. that can gather information from the land, or it depends on if his partnership with the Pale Woman is... Started. fully well i think remember i think it started with mm-hmm. like the raids because they were feeding information right and i know after galen died he sold off the scrolls to them yeah so it depends on how soon that partnership started and if like she mentioned like oh yeah forge ones will be coming towards Buckkeep kind of thing right i don't think specifically in that area um he knew that forged ones were i think it was mm-hmm. just more of like an embarrassment thing um, but I don't know his plans either. Cause right. like if, if it went off without a hitch, without forged ones there, mm-hmm. she would have been lost in a winter storm where she is probably thought it was like a summer day cause she's from the mountain kingdom. Right. She has a horse that is well-trained by Burek and Fitz and yep. can find its way back to the stable. And what was he going to do? Return, um, after attendance and say, I chased a fox. I thought Ketrickin was there. But all the attendants were ahead, and they can say, oh yeah, Regal said move on ahead of us. Yeah. Like, I don't know his plan. Right. <laughs> Maybe it wasn't thought out. He just saw the fox and was... Took the opportunity to, like, ditch her. Uh-huh. <laughs> I don't know. It's Cause really... Because, like, like, you famously said last episode, well, Regal's pretty dumb. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. <laughs> well he's never gotten in trouble before so why would it start now right right we do know that i mean later he is more than willing to try and kill her baby yeah yeah. so why wouldn't he try to kill her now right yeah but also what would be the benefit of killing her now i have no idea she isn't even that well to do in society i mean she's a queen but up to this point she's just kind of a foreign queen it could be i guess to destabilize verity still because like oh the queen in waiting died within a horse's ride of the king in waiting's very own castle 
just everyone would ignore the part that Ver- Regal was out there. Right. But it doesn't make sense to me either because if if we both thought that Regal was kind of reverting back to his old plan of stealing Ketrickin away, uh-huh. why is he trying to kill her as well? Like, right. I... It must be some sort of like embarrassing thing to make her feel worse about herself, so yeah. she would attach more to Regal or something. Maybe I don't know. I, some I don't sort either. of advanced negging technique. Uh, and somehow it works because she doesn't even realize that he did Ugh. anything wrong. I She's know. like, he's so handsome the way he trots after the fox. Like he rode girl, so fast and so well. Girl, <laughs> please take a look around. <laughs> you are alone in the woods. Lord, I cannot with her, with the, he's so dreamy. He put me in a super dangerous situation, had no care about my my safety, but like, his tight pants, so cute. Oh my gosh, Ketrickin. Oh, Ketrickin. It's very frustrating. I don't know. Let us know what you guys think. Uh, Yes. Yeah, comment on the episodes or email us. Like, do you think Regal is trying to kill her here? Do you think he knew about the Forged Ones? Also, though, little food for thought. What if the white lady, I can... Pale woman? Pale woman. I keep calling her white lady. The pale woman could have told him that this would be a good opportunity to get rid of Ketrickin and it would have gotten a path to the throne. Yeah. yeah, and because Fitz is there and they don't believe Fitz is the forgotten son or whatever his name is in Claris, um, they didn't realize he'd be able to stop it. Yeah. Because it is super circumstantial that he even was there to begin with. True, because he is like the pivotal thing. He was the unforeseen thing in the future that yes. the fool wanted to keep alive. So Exactly. And so I wonder how much of this was maybe plotted if this would have happened, if... That's definitely... I like that. she would have died, and that would have somehow given Regal more power in some way. And... I like like that. Yeah. Maybe not. Maybe it's just Regal being dumb. (laughs) (laughs) But... Not having a plan. Yeah. Let us know what your thoughts are. Yeah. So, uh, Fitz learns all that, and um, he makes his way back to the keep, and falls asleep instantly, and... Molly was waiting for me in my dreams, and the only peace I knew. He was waking a short time later from pounding on his door because a page had summoned, um, was telling him, like, mm-hmm. Verity wants you. Go to his map room. So, Fitz How- goes. Okay, here's just, like, a random question. How do pages work? Because, presumably, this is really late or early in the morning, depending on your prerogative. And... Verity just found a random page. Are they just standing in the hallway waiting in case the king needs him? Like- I, ro- I rose and opened it to a sleepy page. So obviously the page was sleeping as well. Yeah. Probably has like maybe maybe servants, like night shift servants. Like, hey, go fetch a message boy for me. Mm. Yeah. I don't know. It's just like a weird thought that I had of yeah. how does it work in this castle? Like- Do they got like a really long rope attached to a yeah. bell at the end in the sleeping pages room and right. just pull like- it anywhere in the castle? What kind of awful work hours? <laughs> <laughs> they need a union. <laughs> so anyway, he's called to see Verity. Yep. And uh, he goes there. Verity was waiting for him. Um, his hair was rumpled and he had thrown a robe on over his nightshirt. Plainly, he had just come from his bed himself, and I braced myself for whatever news he'd received. Shut the door, he commanded me tersely. I did, and then came to stand before him. 
I could not tell if the glint in his eyes was anger or amusement, as he abruptly demanded, Who is Lady Redskirts, and why do I dream of her every night? (laughs) I could not find my tongue. Desperately, I wondered just how privy to my dreams he had been. Embarrassment dizzied me. Had I stood naked before the whole court, I could not have felt more exposed. Verity turned his face aside and gave a cough that might have started as a chuckle. (laughs) Oh, this starts off so funny to me. And it's such an abrupt change of, like, tone as Uh well. From Verity is so mad. Like, Forge One's right here. Uh Kedrickin killed a bunch of people. Hey, stop having, like weird intimate dreams that you're sending out to everybody yeah. fits. Literally everyone in the castle can hear them, so could you not? <laughs> um, but all of these dreams that have been mentioned in this chapter that I've made sure to read out loud is Fitz dreaming of Molly, and he knows he's going to dream of Molly for some reason because he's skilling it. Uh-huh. He's like sending it out to everybody because it's such a strong feeling in him that he's just instinctively like Here's my intimate thoughts about Molly. <laughs> hey, everybody, want a, want a good time? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, and Verity's like, I did not wish to be privy to your secret. Rather, you have thrust it upon me, especially to these last few, so these last few nights. And I need my sleep, not to start up in bed fevered with your admiration for this woman. <laughs> he stopped speaking abruptly. My flaming blush was warmer than any hearth fire. So, he said uncomfortably, then abruptly, sit down. I'm going to teach you to guard your thoughts as well as guard your tongue. <laughs> well, think about how, like, awkward for both parties oh this Oh my god, is. yeah. Can like, you imagine? You're like... I can, I can see your wet dreams, Fitz. Yes. Like, <laughs> like, oh my god, I cannot imagine. Like, can you imagine being a hormonal teenager and then your uncle being like, so I can read your mind. Your and uncle, I... your boss, and, like, your sworn king. Yeah. <laughs> like, so I can read your mind and I know every detail of the dream you've been dreaming. Uh, please stop. <laughs> that would be so embarrassing. But also so awkward for the uncle because he's yeah. the one literally dreaming these dreams. And he's like, ooh, yuck. I am like... 30. Like, you know, like, Verity's like, oh, God, I don't want to tell Fitz that I can hear this. Hopefully it'll stop soon after, uh-huh. like, the first couple times, because he, like, realizes, yeah. where's this coming from? Oh, my God, Fitz, please. And then it's been, like, two weeks, and he's like, I gotta sleep. Yep. I, ca- <laughs> I cannot. <laughs> so they have a they have an hour lesson on how to block thoughts mm-hmm. and, and stop yourself from dreaming, which Fitz is kind of sad about because then he doesn't have peace in his sleep. Right. And that was his only comfort at the time um, because during the day he hated everything he was doing. Right. Um, and Verity says, come Fitz, it will pass. Keep a rein on yourself and endure. It can be done. May come a day when you will wish your life to be as empty of women as it is now, as I do. And talk obviously switches to Ketrickin. Right. And Fitz comes to her defense. Yeah. She didn't mean to get lost, sir. Verity shot me a baleful glance. Intentions cannot be exchanged for results. She's queen in waiting, boy. She must always think, not once, but thrice before she takes action. And I agree with him on that. Um, She doesn't quite understand every single action is scrutinized as queen-in-waiting rather mm-hmm. than as sacrifice. Because sacrifice, you can go out among your people and help with menial work, but if a queen-in-waiting right. did that, 
they'd assume that something was wrong or mm-hmm. like why are you dirtying yourself um you're not obviously not royal yeah like you can't afford servants yeah wow <laughs> so like the action of you know going out with regal sends a message the action of staying behind with regal sends a big message to the attendants the act of getting lost sends a message yep. the act of killing other people sends a message like all of all of those little things mean something mm-hmm. and that's what verity is is mad at as well right but at the same time like she doesn't know any of that yet and like, he's not telling her like right, hey yeah. heads up it looks a little shady that mm-hmm. you keep going off with regal my brother yeah <laughs> But yeah, like you said, Fitz comes to her defense multiple times, and here he's like, she told me that Soft Step followed Regal's horse and that, uh, and would not respond to the rain. You can fault Beric and I for that. We're supposed to have trained that horse. He sighed suddenly. I suppose so. Consider yourself rebuked and tell Beric to find my lady a less spirited horse to ride until she is a better horsewoman. He sighed again, deeply. I suppose she will consider that a punishment for me. She will look at me sadly with those great blue eyes and speak not a word against it. Ah, well, it cannot be helped. But did she have to kill and then to speak so of it so blithely? What will my people think of her? And Fitz says she scarcely had a choice and the people kind of admire her for that. Yeah, it actually turned out pretty good on her end yeah. for doing that. So uh, The soldiers who first found us thought her plucky and capable. Not bad qualities for a queen, sir. The women, especially in your guard, spoke warmly of her as we returned. They see her as their queen now, much more than if she were a weeping, quailing thing. They will follow her without question. In times like these, perhaps a queen with a knife will give us more heart than a queen who drapes herself in jewels and hides behind walls. Perhaps, Verity said quietly. I sensed he did not agree. Do you think his type is a woman who would hide behind walls? Yeah, yeah. I think it's... I mean... I think... Fitz has described his type as like dark and small and one of the women women who he can go to and comfort and feel right. he wants like, to feel like a manly man. Yeah, like he's in control of something and can and can be the person that somebody else turns to right. for that comfort. Which he could still be with a strong woman, he just yeah. can't accept that. <laughs> I'm going to bring up next chapter again because um, we'll t- we'll talk about it more then. But it ties in intimately with this conversation. Um, he Fitz Fitz has a revelation of what he what Verity doesn't like in Ketrickin and how bad of a match they are. Mm-hmm. Um, because Verity needs that someone to be like, I am a good king. I can you know do these things for my people. And with Ketrikin, he just sees, like, someone who is capable and doesn't need that. And he's like, I am not built to do this. And it just ruins his self-confidence. Right. Because he just sees somebody who wants to help their people so badly and has ideas and stuff. And he's like, he wasn't raised to do that. Like, he he just second-guesses everything about it and sees that mirror of Ketrikin there. So it's that farseer yeah. doubtfulness, self-doubt. Um, but uh, Verity turns the conversation again to the thing that that bothers him the most, and saying, "All shall know most vis- most vividly of the forged ones who are gathering about Buckkeep," and it again goes to the self-confidence. If people know that forged ones are gathering around Buckkeep, 
they'll know that their king-in-waiting has failed to protect Buckheap. Right. And that means people are going to go out and try to kill them. Yeah. And that dirties their hands. Yeah. And and Fitz is still trying to, like, help spin this into a positive way. And he's right. saying, you know, they know, too, that a t- determined person can defend herself from them. And from the talk of your guard, there'll be far fewer forged ones a week hence. And Verity is, has to face this sad realization that, like, this is why I chose you to do this because i didn't want the guards to kill their own people to kill my own people right i wanted this done quietly i don't want a wholesale slaughter of six duchies on six duchies Mm -hmm. citizens and then fitz is like oh man i was right in feeling ashamed of what i do like he really takes that personally because verity is still like skilling and connected Mm -hmm. and and then he's like like, oh no i didn't mean it like that yeah because he's like this is a typical Fitz like thought Um, (laughs) (laughs) a small silence fell between us as we both reflected he had not scrupled to set me to that same task assassin that was the word for what I was I had no honor to preserve I realized (laughs) not true Fitz he answered my thought you preserve my honor which is which is true like yeah that's the point Fitz, in this sense, is a sacrifice. He is taking this dirty work and clearing these things up so to save so many other people and carrying Verity's honor because Verity considers it such a hard duty. Do you think this is why Ketrickin likes Fitz the most? Because he... He takes all the crap jobs yeah, and does them. <laughs> he just does them. He is a literal sacrifice and does all the hard work that yeah. she can't do, and she respects that. And he literally sacrificed his quote-unquote life for them and was dead for a long time and separated yeah. from the whole family. Yeah. <laughs> all of that. Um, well. And at the end, Verity's like, tonight you saved my queen. I do not forget that either. And... Once again, Fitz is speaking the truth here when he says, She needed little saving, sir. I believe that even alone she would have survived. Which which brings me back to the point of like if this was the the pale woman's mm-hmm. like plan, I don't think she would have survived if Fitz wasn't there. If right. it if it was that. Well, here's the thing. So back earlier when Ketrickin and Fitz were fighting after they shook off the forged ones and killed a bunch of them Ketrickin takes the lead and just starts running and she's running straight for a river yeah like a creek that is uh-huh. covered by and the reason snow. yeah and the reason Fitz takes over is because he has to stop them both before they tumble head first into it yeah and so i wonder if he if he wasn't there like it would her be horse some... would have died and then she would yeah. have been walking or in the woods she would have died lost. going head first into yeah. freezing cold water it, it it wasn't a full raging river. It was a creek, but we don't know how big it was if she would have or drowned she, yeah. or if it would just The horse would have her. been on top of her and she yeah. couldn't have gotten up. Like, it doesn't necessarily mean she would have died from the forged ones, yeah. but she could have died in other ways. She didn't know the terrain and it's snowy. Yeah. Another possibility was she could survive the forged ones attack, but be more injured. Mm-hmm. And then, like, it would whip up everything to a frenzy at Buckkeep. They would go out and kill a bunch of forged ones, but it would have that celebratory feeling right. to it. And um, people would direct that energy of anger towards Verity more. Yeah. And it could tear Farseers down from the inside. Yeah. So. I don't know. A lot of different ways. Yeah. If Fitz wasn't there. Who knows? There's so many paths, but only one right one. <laughs> <laughs> and that's Fitz being alive. <laughs> so 
with that acknowledged that like yeah sure uh we can wonder about that but not not anymore like she's alive it's fine it's past i still have to reward you because she you you were there with mm-hmm. her when when she survived she formally acknowledged that you were there to help and save her so in everyone's eyes you have saved her so i need to reward you with something right. do you think that's just an excuse because he actually does really want to reward him with something i think publicly? so i think so <laughs> this is just him talking fits into it like a, a little how bit. would i look as a king if i didn't reward you but i also think verity is one that um isn't big for these gifts as well like i think he yeah. wants to do something for fits but he doesn't know what so this is an excuse to do something but he also feels like the understanding between Fitz and him is like we don't need to give each other gifts. Like same with Burek, right. they're all like of a like mind where we do this for for family, for the six duchies, for duty, right? For honor. Like we don't need gifts and affirmations, but like it's nice to give you gifts sometimes because right. this is and, and it's expected. Interesting how much he can think about what the people would be thinking if he didn't give Fitz a gift, but. Not what they would be thinking if he chastised his wife who was right. covered in blood. So, <sighs> selective. Well, Fitz thinking. is more on his mind, anyways. Like he likes Fitz that's, more than Ketrickin at fair. this point. <laughs> Ketrickin is just some whiny teenager, and yeah, a teenager Fitz he has to teach, but yeah. he doesn't want to. <laughs> but this also shows a lack of knowledge here because he's like i have to give you something and i guess it should be something that you're seen with so it has a visual reminder uh-huh. i know that he literally says i'm at a loss to know what to gift you with it should be something visible and you must carry it about with you for a while that much i know of statecraft at least it's just so self-deprecating of mm-hmm. like i guess i can get something right because right. i'm sure he's reflected on like i didn't handle this the best way uh-huh um Nothing is going right right now. Like, right. And it also shows his lack of knowledge in this area because yeah. he doesn't know what to do. He knows vaguely that the best idea is to give something visible. Mm-hmm. Which but, is a great thought. Like, right. I don't know if I would have thought that. But he doesn't have it. It's not an original idea. It's not something yeah. he naturally came to the conclusion of. It's like, well, thinking back on other similar situations, mm-hmm. which there's nothing wrong with that. It just really showcases that he is way out of his depth he in this court life. trained as a second son. Yeah. Like, that's that's what Verity says, and that's what he is. Like, and he probably also wasted the time, the six or eight years that he was without his brother and at court, not doing anything. Like, not learning the ways yeah, of court. Yeah, I mean, it's... Which he could have done. It said that he did all the tasks that Shrewd set before him, but he made it plain that he didn't want to be there. And right. doing them. So, like, obviously he did them well because it's Verity. Mm-hmm. And he would do what a leader told him to do, but... Right. But to the T. No to extra the tea. work. Right, yeah. <laughs> and so I, I feel like a little bit this is his own fault for putting all of his eggs in one basket or just not being willing to learn how to be a people person. Yeah, that's true. Which mm-hmm. is fair because not everybody's a people person. Yeah. But he could he had the opportunity to be better than he is and he did not take it. Verity is one of those people where I could literally see him just holding up like Jade and just drawing maps all yeah. day and he would be fine. Except he would like it a little bit more than Jade probably does. Yeah. Oh yeah. hundred <laughs> percent. Jade is much more of a busybody and uh, he's a people person. Yeah. Party, party animal. <laughs> yes. <laughs> um, they uh, decide on a sword because yes. it's visible and 
Some thirty says something better than that piece of iron you were carrying tonight. It's an old blade Hod told me to take to practice with. I defended myself. It works. <laughs> <laughs> A little self-conscious about his uh, uh-huh. his old sword. Um, but they're both so awkward about this, and it's really funny. He's like, obviously, I shall have to select a, her a better one for you and do a bit of fancy work on the hilt and scabbard. Would that do it? I think so, I said awkwardly. Like, they're just, yeah. we don't really do gifts, but like... Like, I don't know, I guess that would look good. Hey, Fitz, what do you think I should gift you with to congratulate uh-huh. you? <laughs> but it has to be something the nobles will notice. <laughs> yeah. I don't know, it's just, a, it's a weird conversation. And then, to make it even more awkward... <laughs> Verity ends the conversation with, Well, let's go back to bed, shall we? And I shall be able to sleep now, won't I? There was no mistaking the amusement in his voice now. My cheeks burned anew. Sir, I have to ask, I fumbled the hard words out, Do you know who I was dreaming about? (laughs) (laughs) And Verity assures him, No, like you're... Her honor is not compromised or anything like that. Well, for all he knows, these are, like, memories. Yeah. And not, like, Um, just dreams. He says, I know only that she wears blue skirts and that you see them as red. Blue for the servants. Red because that's what he remembers her by as, like, Mm -hmm. the day on the beach and everything. And it was her mother's skirt that she gave to Molly. Um... And that you love her with an ardency that is appropriate to youth. Do not struggle to stop loving her, only to stop skilling it about at night. And then he warns her, or warns, excuse me, warns Fitz that people could decipher this dream as Verity did if he doesn't guard his thoughts. Right. There are other people with skill talent, Mm -hmm. specifically Galen's coterie. And then the next sentence, a man can be undone when his enemies learn what is dearest to him from his skill dreams. I thought it was so interesting that he equated Galen's coterie with enemies, like the yeah. next sentence. And <sighs> he he does talk about how they're, even though they're stupid and yeah. don't use the skill correctly, they still have it. And you're skilling very strongly. Mm-hmm. <laughs> so He thinks he's the only one who could really easily... Um, say that these dreams belong to Fitz, but still, like, if you keep doing it, they're going to figure it out. So Mm -hmm. don't involve those people as much as you have to. It's basically keep your secrets to yourself. Yeah. Which is good advice and a good reminder to Fitz that there are people that would hurt Molly to hurt him. Keep your guard up. He gave an inadvertent chuckle. And hope your lady Redskirts has no skill in her blood. For if she does at all, she must have heard you all these many nights. (laughs) And having put that unsettling thought into my head, he dismissed me back to my chambers in bed. I did not sleep again that night. (laughs) Oh, Verity. It's pretty funny. It is pretty funny. And we get a good look at loving Uncle Verity. Mm -hmm. And he's so nice. And I I keep saying that he's not a people person. And it's not so much that he's not a people person. It's just that he's not good at crowds. He's not good at being the leader people person right he is very strong bonds with a small amount of people Mm -hmm. and that is perfectly okay but not great for a king when you don't pay attention to any of the other bonds that you have with everybody else and while there's a war going on and civil unrest not a great skill to be lacking (laughs) right yeah yeah so uh it's a this is a tumultuous chapter for sure Mm. different tones and different parts 
little bit of uh, Fitz being scared of bonding Night Eyes and mad that Night Eyes didn't understand what that was happening. Right. Then it moves to, like, lonely and yearning for Molly. And then it moves to Forged Ones and scary days and then uh forged one attack and a joking around awkward scene with verity at the end yeah <laughs> don't forget king shrewd is in there somewhere oh that's right yeah and a disconcerting conversation with king shrewd where we see the fool make fun of somebody who is yeah. not fitz which is kind of fun <laughs> it's an interesting chapter fitz isn't happy I'll say that right now. He is, I think he's embarrassed right now. <laughs> yeah. He's miserable the other times, though, like yeah. the other couple weeks in this chapter. Yeah. He has to kill people, and that's his least favorite thing to do. And then go back to their bodies and look at them and see his handiwork. So he can't just be like, Put it in, putting it out, out of my mind. mind. Yeah. yeah. Please let us know what you think of Regal, though, uh, in this chapter, what his plans are. Mm-hmm. What is he plotting right now? Like... Is Wallace even doing anything or just insinuating his way into the king's room to poison him later? What is Regal's plan with Ketrikin? Whatever you want. Talk at us. <laughs> <laughs> Yell it into the insight. void. We'll, we'll respond. Um, probably. Probably, yeah. <laughs> Might be a week. Uh, we, try, we try our best. We, we try do. our best. Um, sometimes we forget and talk about it in an episode and then reply like a couple days after that episode airs. So <laughs> we try not to do that as much, but yeah. <laughs> sometimes both of us say, Oh, I'll get to it. And then neither of us do it. So yeah, bad communication for a talking platform. I guess. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks so much for listening. Um, hope to see you guys next week. So now's the time of the podcast where we talk about you guys. <laughs> uh, we got an email uh, from Anthony, and and they they have been charging through our podcast. They say that they're on episode fourteen, and they discovered it the day before they sent that email. So <laughs> oof, that's a wow. lot of realm of the elderlings talk. Yes. Um, thank you for listening. Um, we're talking about favorite POV characters as we had that question in episode 13. Um, and of course Fitz's top of that list is same, same with me. Honestly, Fitz is fantastic, but, um, uh, this person also did not like B's perspective, but then, uh, controversially really, really liked Malta as well. And a lot of people don't like Malta on their first way through these books. Um, I still do not like Malta that much. I can I can agree that she is a great character. I do not like her. Even after she changes or whatever. Yeah. I love the arc. Yeah. And I yeah. love the details of Malta. I, I like think where she's she ends a, up. <laughs> I, yeah, I do like where she ends up. I like how much of her there is. I don't know how better to explain that. There, She just is such a real character that is so frustrating, but mm-hmm. we can't call her quite a villain because she's just naive and young. Yeah. Um, and so it's really hard because <laughs> you have to remember that she is a child and she is just making the best of what she Makes me want to hit a child though, <laughs> so much. 
Um, Anthony says, I think she's meant to be hated because it makes the rest of her journey that much more interesting and real. I feel like out of every character we meet, she is the most growth as a human. And I can definitely see that. I mean, all of the characters that Robin Hobb introduces have a ton of growth, but uh, Um, Malta's is, yeah, all of them. Regal? (laughs) <laughs> yeah, he gets skill changed okay, to well, having that growth. Okay. Um, <laughs> Fair enough. All of the protagonists or the main characters that we get introduced to by Robin Hobb has have a lot of growth, but Malta's is one of the most visible changes um, because she is so... Dislikable? Dislikable at the beginning, <laughs> yes. She has such a boisterous personality. <laughs> really commands the whole book. Also, uh, Anthony mentioned that they don't like Beric. Uh, they say that I couldn't help but hate Beric quite a bit. It almost feels as though he decided to be with Molly because he figured that he did the dutiful thing once when he stepped aside for Shiv and Patience. And this time around, it's almost like him going, Yes, I've done the good thing. Now I'm going to do something for me. I. I don't agree with this at all. Um, I love, personally, because I, lo- I like Beric a lot. But also because I think he, he didn't necessarily step aside for Shiv and Patience. He left Patience, and then Shiv and Patience got together, and it just so happened that right. Beric was... I think Beric introduced them or something, but yeah. um, it's not like Beric stepped aside so Shiv could date Patience. It was Beric saying, I have to dedicate my life to one person only. And then Patience chose chivalry after. Right. But also, um, some thoughts on Molly and Beric. Yes, it's weird. First of all, Super I want to say that. It is weird. But it's weird by our standards. And in the six duchies, it seems as though, like it mentioned, I think it's mentioned in the first book that marriages happen not only just because people love each other and want to get married but sometimes they happen out of necessity or to um, decide that these two people with us joining together we can survive and become more prosperous as a unit rather than two separate people so i feel like that's kind of what it started out as and then molly's like hey you're actually like pretty okay and then Birik's like okay like, I could do that. Yeah. But it is, like, I, it is weird. So I don't hate him, it's just... I don't hate Burek, but I kind of like Anthony's point of view of it feels like he's like, well, I don't have to do the right thing this time. That's true, and yeah. And I kind of agree with that sentiment. Um, I'm actually is... happy for Burek in that sense, though. Like, <laughs> I don't hate him for it. I don't know. I really struggle. This is something that I struggle most because I do like Burek, but I struggle really hard with his relationship with Molly. Yeah. Because it is such a betrayal to Fitz and also because it's a little weird with the age stuff. But it just, I don't know. I've, I really struggle with continuing to like him despite. Um, but I just don't think about that section at all ever. And then that's how I do it. So I highly encourage. Are you a farseer? <laughs> I've been learning. <laughs> oh, thank you so much, Anthony. That's a, it is, it's an interesting topic. And we uh-huh. are going to get a lot more into those relationships soon. Because yeah. 
that's they're coming you know, they're coming yeah slowly but surely week by week <laughs> um yeah so on instagram aunt the peckish chef messaged us number one to send us a really cool youtube video um that was posted in the uh robin hobbs subreddit and it's just a really cool kind of music-ish video with drawings of things that happen in Fits and the Fool. It's just a really uh, cool visual thing. Um, but not only did they send us that, they also sent us um, a few thoughts. They were on episode 15 and talked about how they don't think Molly is witted at all and that Fitz is musing on the fact that Molly is kind of reacting to his wit sense because he is connected to Smithy. Mm. So basically, it's more of Fitz starting to develop romantic feelings for Molly. And through the wit bond with Smithy, Smithy is also feeling the connection. But because Smithy is so innocent with his emotions and doesn't hold anything back like a human would... Fitz notices the feeling and thinks it's coming from Molly or that maybe Molly's reacting to that where it could just be his own feelings that he's feeling. I guess I'm not really explaining this well. But this is uh, episode 15 where they're like in town, right? Yes. And they're like kind of dating a little bit. They're on a little bit of a date. (laughs) So I don't know. I I like the sentiment. I think it's a really interesting idea that maybe Molly doesn't have any wit at all and it's just Fitz not recognizing his own emotions. <laughs> but, I mean, it is true that Molly does have feelings for him at this point in some capacity. Yeah. So it could just be that that's what he needed to realize. Maybe there's something there. I don't know. Obviously, he doesn't act on it because now we're in this mess, but... But at the same time, like, in real life, you can kind of... You can sense when people, like, have feelings for you and mm-hmm. sense people, like, withdrawing. Just small, subtle changes like that. So I feel like since he's so connected and bonded with Smithy, he would be he would be able to tell that that was his own emotion amplified. Um, Ant says that... Uh, that fits noticing for it for the first time he wouldn't realize that it would be his emotions that he was feeling through smithy but i think i don't know i think he would i I like the organic feel of it more so with between molly and fitz like just the it's just a human connection and fitz equates it to the wit because that's all he knows that's all all he knows of how to read people so i don't know it's a good thought though It'd be, yeah. it'd be interesting if that was like... I like that he just like didn't realize yeah, that it was, was Smithy. He was just so emotionally stunted yes. with the knowledge of that. <laughs> He's like, whoa, what is this new feeling? Has to be for Molly. <laughs> <laughs> um, but they also let us know that they think the naming ceremony was conducted by Old Blood Community. Yeah, the man ceremony. Yeah. Which would explain the secrecy behind the whole ceremony, and also why they capitalized the M in man. That being said, there's also the chance that whomever named him Changer was just naming him that because he changed the rules. Everybody always kills an animal leading to the feast, but Fitz let them all go instead, making him a catalyst, a catalyst that changed the rules. I like it for headcanon, but I don't think there's any way this could possibly... Be the actual thing. Why? 
One, because if it was the witted community or the old blood community doing it for another old blood person, Beric's the only one who knows that, and he would not do that, first of all. Ooh, fair. Um, second of all, uh, we don't actually know, and neither does Fitz, if that ceremony has to kill somebody, or has to kill an animal beforehand. Right. Fitz just says that... Um, he passed on all of them, and so there was no feast afterwards. So he could have been the first one, but also that could have just been, like, yeah. a thing. I don't know. I don't like know Like a either. choice. But so I, I, I like I like the reasoning with, like, the capital M man versus animal and, like, things like that. Yeah. But I, I really don't see how that would come about because well, only Birik knows he's witted. Okay, but what if it was stemming from old wit or the old blood? And it doesn't necessarily have anything to do with, like, choosing a companion. There's nothing to do deal with actually using the wit. That has all faded away with time. This is just the remnants of it. And just Bjork like is okay. old blood tradition, right. basically. Yeah, and Bjork's okay with this tradition because it's not encouraging him to pursue the wit in any way. I could it's, see that. Yeah. I could see that. I just don't think it's by current old blood community members. Mm. Um but I could definitely see it being from, like, the original inhabitants of the Six Duchies land mostly, most likely were some of the old blood and had these mm-hmm. ceremonies and things, and it kind of got mutated and lost some of the meaning, but, like, this is still what, what it do. is. Yeah. yeah. Where, like, okay, hear me out. Because that language that they speak and Ta- stuff. Yeah, but... tangent here, <laughs> but... What if the whole idea of picking a sacrifice and then having a feast is changed and originally you were picking your wit partner? And so there was, I mean, it would have changed throughout time. These people probably have no idea that's what it started as. I'm just saying if this was stemming from an old wit tradition and it turned into what it is today, that could be like... Symbolizing that? Yeah. Yeah. Because I, I mean... I could try to poke holes in that, but obviously it's just a theory, and um, it could have gotten mutated a lot from where it started. So I, I like that idea. But we do know that um, Black Rolf teaches Fitz, or tells Fitz how they choose partners now. It's like going out into the middle of the woods, right? being alone for a long time, and just like listening and seeing what calls to you, basically. Is that not what hunting is? Right. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sorry, I'm confused. <laughs> Yes, but usually you don't end up killing the animal that chooses you. <laughs> well, no, but like you can see how the similarities but, between the two but they lead don't, into each other. They don't go hunting during this ceremony. They like hand him animals, and he decides not to kill them. Basically, mm-hmm. so that that I mean, I can see how it yeah. would get mutated again, but I don't um, know. We'll direct correlation, know. no. But that could definitely be a possibility. That'd be we'll interesting. Ne- we'll never know, but now we now we know. But yeah, <laughs> now we know. Now we know for sure. That's what it is. Thanks, Robin Hobb, for giving me creative liberty to say whatever I want. Yeah, it's <laughs> canon. It's published. Next book, actually, coming out tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> so that's all we have this time. We are doing a little bit of pre-recording as the holidays are drawing near. Um, so I'm sure. As the podcast goes on for the next couple months, you'll notice that we aren't mentioning super current stuff. Um, Holidays are coming up. Need to 
just yes. be ready for anything, you know? <laughs> yes. We in America have Thanksgiving coming up. I know we have some listeners who are not from the U.S. And America is the only one that celebrates Thanksgiving. So <laughs> quite obviously. Yes. yes. <laughs> As it's about the pilgrims and the Native Americans. Yes. <laughs> no other country really celebrates it. Um, <laughs> so we have that coming up, but we will be having um episodes coming out we'll just yep. be pre-recording them yeah. so well we will try to get around to verbally answering some of your comments and things in the future episodes as they come to us but we'll try to write them out before you'll probably hear them <laughs> hopefully yeah. you're hearing the, from us before you're literally hearing from us <laughs> <laughs> all right thank you so much for tuning in yeah thank you guys for all the love and support we really enjoy uh, the little community that we've built together. Yeah. And hearing that uh, other people like listening. So it's, yeah. that's cool. <laughs> <laughs> Thanks, guys. Thanks.